Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sidebar with John Duran here on the Channel Q. Broadcasting in San Francisco, Los Angeles, Sacramento, Las Vegas, Phoenix, and our newest city, Houston. Yo, Houston. And don't forget Palm Springs, of course, on 97.1. Morning, everybody. It's uh, the middle of December, and we're going to have a pretty good show today. Uh, we're starting up in the first hour with uh, Amanda Goad from the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, the uh, LGBT section of the ACLU Foundation of Southern California, who will be talking not only about some of the local issues uh, that the ACLU is fighting for LGBT people, but also nationally and some of the national issues that the ACLU has been required to confront. Given that we're all living under Trumpism, the ACLU has been very, very, very busy. So looking forward to hearing from Amanda and giving us an update on all that. And then in the second hour, look, it's the holidays, man. It It, it is a time of high-intensity emotion. What we know is that uh, depression usually is on the rise during the holidays, suicides, all sorts of terrible stuff. I thought, well, before we get into full-bore holidays, because, by the way, I am a complete and total holiday freak. You thought I was bad on Halloween. Wait till you see what I'm going to do around uh, the Christmas time holidays. But uh, before we get into full-born holidays, uh, I thought it'd be great to spend a little time dealing with the blues and the depression that arises for some people around the holidays. So we've got two incredible shrinks. I know they don't like to be called shrinks. Great uh, doctors, uh, psych- uh, psychotherapists, psychologists, psychiatrists. I don't actually know which they are, but they're, they're shrinks. Uh, Dr. Ken Howard, uh, gay guy in West Hollywood, been uh, advocating for the LGBT community for over 20 years. And Dr. Lauren Costine, uh, who is an incredible author and psychotherapist shrink and um, also serves on the Lesbian Gay Advisory Board of the city of West Hollywood. So we'll be hearing from the two of them. And then we're going to cap the second hour off by hearing from a couple of the guys from the Gay Men's Chorus of Los Angeles because this is their big holiday weekend show yours truly i'm a second tenor although as you can hear in my voice if i don't get rid of this uh cold that i've got i'm going to be singing bass instead of my usual tenor but um we're going to have them on to hear about their big holiday show at the alex theater in glendale this weekend because uh, the way i put it you put 299 gay men on a stage and tell them to create a nativity scene what could possibly go wrong think about it yeah so it's going to be a great show kind of a a pre-holiday show if if you celebrated hanukkah i know it's over i hope you had a wonderful hanukkah winter solstice is coming up if you're a wicca uh you know we got your holiday coming up and of course uh, those of us that celebrate christmas time we are in that period of time right before it gets completely insane at the shopping in the malls and i've already got some toys i ordered on amazon of course and i've, I've just got to hit the mall I got to get going, but I got to finish the holiday concert first this weekend. But as we get closer, uh, you know, the next couple of weeks, uh, uh, Jason here in the studio with me and I, we're going to, I mean, you should see the studio. There are wreaths and Santa Clauses and bespectacled uh, Christmas trees and bulbs. And it's just, uh, it's, it's like Father Christmas just threw up all over the studio. It looks awesome. It's so beautiful. But um, more about that. But let's, let's just start with a little bit of where we are in current events. Because if you're not following, wow, the Donald, the, the Trump, 
He's having a really bad week. And and you know what? It it's it's giving me a sense of justice because all of the uh all of the calamity, it's all coming home to roost. It's all coming home to roost. And 2019, I guarantee you, we are going to face a constitutional crisis as the United States of America. The Democrats controlling the House under Speaker Nancy Pelosi of San Francisco. Congressman Adam Schiff chairing uh, from West Hollywood chairing the House Intelligence Committee. Congresswoman Maxine Waters. Uh, she's woke, man. Congresswoman Maxine Waters chairing the uh, House Banking Committee. Uh, all, all that's going on. And in the meantime, the Mueller investigation is finally coming to completion and should be hitting uh, 2019 very, very soon. And, and if you're not following, what a, a terrible week it was for the Donald. Uh, he, he fires poor, beleaguered uh, chief of staff John Kelly and then uh, realizes after he's let him go that nobody wants a spot. Would you want to be chief of staff to Donald Trump? Give me a, give me a break. Who would want that? job nobody and apparently jared kushner is now up for consideration because only his hapless son-in-law could possibly fill the role and i mean what's wrong with that well nepotism i mean come on now so we got that going on At the same time it looks like the national Enquirer, david pecker and michael cohen have both thrown the donald under the bus by acknowledging and admitting that donald was in the room given direction on how to pay the hush money. And this is the same the same incident that, you know, the Donald said never happened. He knew nothing about. He, he didn't know anything about it. Go ask Michael Cohen. I don't know. Well, now, both Michael Cohen and David Pecker, the publisher of the National... I can never say his name enough. Uh, the publisher of the National Enquirer have both thrown him under the bus, acknowledging that he was in the room when they were talking hush money, which, in essence, implicates him in federal crimes. Federal crimes, campaign crimes, felonies, not misdemeanors, felonies. And what does Orrin Hatch of Utah have to say? Oh, I, I, I just don't care. Yeah, so much for the rule of law, Orrin Hatch. I am so glad. You just go sit in Bryce Canyon, Utah and stare at your navel, buddy, because your days are over. There's new energy coming to Washington, D.C., and it's going to be a rock and rolling time. So, Looking forward to spending the next couple of hours with you all here. Well, next up, we'll start with the ACLU and get to hear about all the fights for LGBT rights going on all over this country. Glad you're tuning in here at Sidebar with John Duran on Channel Q. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning, kids. Welcome back. You're listening to Channel Q and Sidebar with John Duran. And I am so excited because I have Amanda Goat. You say it right? Goat? G-O-A-D? Yes, indeed. Amanda Goat here from the ACLU. Welcome to the show, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me, John. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Amanda was just telling me before the, we took the break that you came from the New York, the affiliate, New York affiliate, or the national? Uh, previously, the national ACLU's LGBT and HIV project. Wow. 
Wow. Well, welcome to California. It's been five years, but welcome to California. Thank you so much. Yeah. How, what, let me just say, I, I was telling our viewers a few weeks ago, I used to serve on the ACLU Board of Directors Foundation Board. I think I was one of their first openly gay board members back in like 1991. And back then, all we really did was HIV and AIDS policy. But I imagine today, you got so much more on your platter. What, what's going on with the ACLU for LGBT people? Yeah. Well, starting with the work that we have going on here in California, you know, California is a place where we're pretty fortunate that a lot of work has already gone into promoting LGBTQ rights and making them explicit in the law. Just like you were saying, folks have been working on this in the 80s and 90s, even back before that. The ACLU of Southern California was the first ACLU affiliate to take on gay rights as a particular issue of concern in the 60s. Oh, in the 60s? Yeah. I did not know that. And so a, a lot of foundation has been laid. However, that doesn't mean that everything is fine and dandy for LGBTQ folks in California, of course. Right. And so we have a lot of work to do still in terms of getting the good laws on the books interpreted in ways that actually meet people's needs. Right. And getting even better policies on the books, both in terms of state legislation and implementation is another huge piece of, of what we're trying to do. Right. Um, rights don't really mean anything if people don't know they have them. So we do a lot of community education work. And we also do a lot of work with institutions like jails and schools to make sure that what they're actually doing in practice lines up with the spirit of the law. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, in the jails here in L.A. County, for example, I know we have a ward for gay men and transgendered women, and they're segregated from the population. Are we still seeing any violence against our people in the jails? Or Well, that's a good question. You know, it's really difficult to keep people safe in jails. They're an inherently violent environment. And it's great that L.A. County has made some strides toward trying to keep people safe. Right. Part of that has been the K6G unit, which, as you mentioned, has existed since the 1980s as a result of a consent decree in an ACLU case about the safety needs of gay folks in the jails. That unit still exists, and we continue to hear from people who spend time there that it feels good to them to have that option, to have potentially more of a sense of community and to feel safer than they might in the general population of the jails. But on the other hand, segregation is is problematic, mm. right? And, mm. and there are folks who don't want that. So LA has actually been one of the most progressive jurisdictions in the country in terms of making sure that their procedures around transgender people in jail are both keeping up with the times and, and the need to respect people's identities and also complying with federal law. right? Because the Federal Prison Rape Elimination Act calls out LGBTQI people and particularly trans people as needing additional protections. Trans and intersex folks entering jail are supposed to have the opportunity to say what feels safest for them in terms of a housing placement. And then the jail needs to give that serious consideration in deciding case by case where to place folks. And so we've been working with LA to make sure that that goes smoothly. Um, on the flip side, we recently settled a lawsuit against San Bernardino County which um, for a while they were operating what they called the Alternative Lifestyles Tank oh my within God. their jail. And, oh and that God. name alone just kind of shows A-L-T. you. ALT. I love it. Right. I wonder if they made that up to fit an acronym. There's <laughs> a great acronym, ALT. Oh, my God. That's yeah, crazy. So that was really problematic, and, and people were being discriminated against there. But the good news is that we reached an agreement for San Bernardino to do a lot better. So What about our new sheriff, Villanueva? Nobody, including myself. I mean, I'm the mayor of a city, and we are a contract city and we've worked so hard to get the sheriffs to reform and all of a sudden we got this new sheriff 
Indeed. We literally have a new sheriff in town in L.A., and that's kind of an exciting opportunity in terms of being able to work with him and his administration and and hold him accountable on some of the things that he was saying during campaign season, both on things like LGBTQ rights and safety, but also on immigration issues and and some of the other serious civil rights and civil liberties issues around the sheriff's department. That's a really good point, immigration, because I know a lot of our LGBT people, I mean, they come from other parts of the world, and a lot of transgender women are Spanish-speaking from other countries in the South, uh, Mexico or Central or South America, and they end up here, and there's this very bizarre overlay of immigration, LGBT, and then you sprinkle in a little crystal meth on top of it all, and it's just a mess. Absolutely, and Lately, we've been seeing that among the many folks who were coming over the border in search of a better life and trying to make asylum claims and and being stymied in those efforts to make asylum claims by very problematic decisions from the Trump administration, you know, within that population are a lot of queer and trans folks where the horrible experiences of persecution they had in their homelands are part of why they need asylum. So that is a very important issue to the ACLU as well. I wonder, are you are you keeping in track? I know that in California, uh, LGBT issues are now required as part of the curriculum. Quality California has been working on that forever and it's in place, but is it being implemented? Great question. The ACLU has been heavily involved in that as well. There are two areas in which LGBTQ inclusion is mandated in the curriculum in California public schools now. One is in social studies, just making sure that the perspectives of LGBTQ folks from history, as well as people with disabilities, are reflected. That's important for all young people to learn. And then there's also sex ed, where in California, a couple of years ago, we passed the California Healthy Youth Act, which requires comprehensive, LGBTQ-inclusive, scientifically accurate sex ed to be provided in all middle and high schools. Oh, wow. And it's such a simple thing, but it's so important. Yeah. In my Catholic high school, we were taught, just say no. That was basically <laughs> what we were told in the 70s, just say no to sex. Yeah. Right. And and I went to public school in Virginia in the 90s, and I vividly remember the, the day that we came to the page in the sex ed work, workbook about homosexuality and the instructor said oh that's disgusting and turn the page wow so you know it it makes a huge difference oh my god that's unbelievable yeah it's so important both for lgbtq young people or questioning young people to feel seen but also for all the other young people in the class you know to be exposed to this reality that people have diverse sexual orientations and people have diverse genders and that that's the reality we're living in and thank god for the gay straight alliances they seem to be popping up everywhere absolutely right? yeah, yeah. full disclosure i'm also on the board of gsa network an oh, organization awesome. of trans and queer youth uniting for gender and racial justice and we, it's really awesome to see that movement grow. that is so great we're talking to amanda goat from the aclu of southern california the lgbt rights chapter we'll be back right after the commercial break here on channel q selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage shopify is here to help you grow whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person pos system wherever and whatever you're selling shopify has got you covered shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 15 percent better on average compared to other 
other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. You're listening to Channel Q and Sidebar with John Duran broadcasting today in San Francisco, Los Angeles, Sacramento, Palm Springs, Las Vegas, Phoenix, and our newest city, Houston. And Palm Springs, I said something wrong earlier. You're not 97.1. You're 103.1, the new Channel Q, 103.1 FM in Palm Springs. And look for our billboards all over Palm Springs. You'll see us advertise that big Q up in the air. That's us, the new Channel Q here. We're talking to Amanda Goat from the AC. And while we were just finishing talking about California, I know you've got a national perspective on a lot of this, too, because you came from the national headquarters. So what 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 can we tell? Where where do you focus when the whole world is in chaos under Trumpism? Well, it's certainly a challenge to figure out where to direct finite resources right now when, when, as you said, sometimes it feels like everything is on fire and the Trump administration is is just trying to destroy a lot of the basic framework of civil rights and civil liberties in this country. Right. But the good news is we are fighting back and we do have very strong legal tools on a lot of these issues. So in the LGBTQ rights area that I'm most familiar with, you know, There are a number of cases pending, including one brought by my colleagues at National ACLU on behalf of transgender service members to make sure that they will continue to be able to serve their country in the way that so many have been and others want to. Um, And a series of federal courts have struck down as unconstitutional and arbitrary the uh, supposed transmilitary ban that the administration tried to enact last year. So we're watching those cases play out. The Trump administration has asked the Supreme Court to review them in an expedited way. So that's especially problematic that they're trying to rush to get a judgment, keeping people who are committed to serving their country from doing so. Wow. Wow. And it's such a conservative institution, the military. I, I remember during the battle over gays in the military in the 90s, you know, sometimes I would keep looking over my shoulder like, what, wait a minute, what, what are we doing? We're fighting for our right to get on the front lines. <laughs> it seems mm-hmm. so contrary, but it's no, about equality. It's, about it's equality. absolutely true. And, and of course, a lot of people would never want to serve in the military or think it's an unjust institution. And, and that is very legitimate. But it's also one of the biggest employers in this country and good one point. of the biggest pathways to economic mobility for people growing up in poverty. So good, good point. Yeah. given so <laughs> much economic discrimination against trans people in particular, it's just especially awful to have folks relying on stereotypes to try to cut them off from that career path. And, and why is it always about bathrooms and showers? I mean, when it comes to our people, like that's all they can think about, what we do in the bathroom and what we do in the shower. You know, it just it's crazy to me. It's, it's so, so true. But, you know, that is another avenue where we've been fighting this fight for a long time and are able to continue moving forward on it despite the efforts of the Trump administration. Um, I think there there have been a number of cases about the rights of young people in schools to access restrooms and locker rooms consistent with their gender identity. Um, The ACLU is part of a case in Pennsylvania uh, representing some 
trans students on the same side as their school district, which actually adopted a really positive, supportive policy as to students' right to express their gender identity at school. And then some folks who had a problem with that sued, saying that that policy was a violation of their and their children's privacy rights. Mm -hmm. And multiple courts have already said, no, that's silly. There, too, um, the folks who lost are trying to get Supreme Court review. So we'll see where that goes. But it would be really unfortunate if the Supreme Court put its muscle into trying to take away rights that currently exist. Yeah, very, very true. Any any early indications on uh, on Kavanaugh or Gorsuch? Gorsuch seems like a lost cause in the <sighs> Supreme Court. I, I don't know. They both clerked for Kennedy, right? A moderate Republican, Kennedy, and Gorsuch and Kavanaugh both clerked for him. And That's true. I, I think it's rather early to tell um, what exactly the jurisprudence is going to be from the new justices. And again, other than the Masterpiece Cake Shop decision last year, where the the folks who wanted to use religion as a license to discriminate didn't get what they wanted out of that case, given the very cribbed, narrow decision in favor of the baker. But on the other hand, you know, that was not a great sign in terms of where this court may be going. So again, right now, there happen to be a series of petitions pending as to cases where LGBTQ rights prevailed below, and then the folks who want to take those rights away are trying to seek review. Yeah, and I wonder if it's going to be for us death by a thousand cuts, much like abortion rights. Maybe they won't overturn Roe versus Wade, but death by a thousand cuts, they can try to dilute it. And I'm wondering if the same thing is going to happen to LGBT issues with the notion of religious freedom, religious liberty. Well, that is such a huge issue right now. And of course, religious freedom is an important right and an important American value. First Amendment, yeah. Also something that the ACLU (laughs) has been involved in in trying to defend. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that religion should ever be a reason that people get to harm others. And so that's come up in a number of contexts. My national colleagues are also working on an employment case representing a, a trans woman named Amy Stevens, who came out as trans at work. She happened to work at a funeral home and her employers there didn't feel she could continue to do the job as a woman, which was ridiculous given that she had been successful in the career for a long period of time and all she was wanting to change was her name and what kind of nice outfit she wore to work. So um, that's another case where Amy has prevailed in in multiple levels of court, um, but the, the funeral home is seeking Supreme Court review of that decision. And they have tried to cite their religious faith, the owner's personal beliefs, as a reason that it's okay to discriminate against Amy. That was rejected by the Sixth Circuit, and we're hopeful that will continue to remain the law. Very interesting. I'm wondering with all of the uh, the current xenophobia going on against immigrants and people coming to this country, if this is an opportunity for LGBT people to link arms with other people who are feeling great oppression under Trumpism. Oh, absolutely. All of these things are interconnected and intersectional. And some of the people who I think are, are feeling the worst of the brunt of the current political climate are people who are at the margins in multiple ways, like trans women of color or transgender immigrants. Um, So it it is important that we view all of this as interconnected and support one another. Yeah, I I think that goes back, you know, Harvey Milk first linked up with the Coors boycott in San Francisco. He linked arms with Teamsters, of all people. That that was an unusual alliance. 
to me, it seems like a likely alliance between people who are trying to immigrate. And a lot of those people are LGBT immigrants. Absolutely. Yeah. Are we seeing any pushback by national couples? I mean, for a while there, it seemed to be some resistance to allowing same-sex couples to marry and get somebody's U.S. citizenship by as a matter of right due to marriage. Is that still an issue or not so much anymore? Well, I think there are plenty of practical challenges that folks in that situation face and plenty of systemic biases in terms of how does it work to go through the process and and get the immigration status that you're entitled to. But, you know, people frequently ask me whether marriage equality is in danger and whether the changes to our federal administration and our federal courts mean that Obergefell is is going to get overturned. And and out of all the things that scare me, that's not high on the list. Hmm. I do think that that it is important to pay attention to what's happening in the federal courts and how past interpretations could be questioned. But that was such a clear constitutional ruling. And it seems like the 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 folks who aren't in favor of LGBTQ rights are at this point very focused on pushing forward the notion that the religion gives them carte blanche to discriminate. Yeah. I guess a big issue is the Federal Employment Non-Discrimination Act. It used to be called ENDA. Now it's got a new name, right? Uh, exactly. It, it's now called the Equality Act. Equality Act. Because it's not just about employment. And I, ah. this has been a long conversation in the LGBTQ rights movement to figure out what is the scope of what we need at a federal level. And it took a while to get everyone on board with it being an LGBT issue, not just an LGB issue. It took a while to recognize recognize that in addition to making explicit employment protections, which we believe are already there under Title VII's protections against discrimination on the basis of sex, and if you're treating someone differently at work because they're married to another woman, not a man, or because of the way they dress or something like that, that is sex stereotyping, and that's illegal. But it would benefit everyone if that were made clear and explicit in federal law. So we need that in employment. We also need it in housing. We also need it in public accommodations. Wow. That's still happening, like the lunch counter and the the bus? Yeah. And, And a lot of people don't fully understand how that works. Right now, federal law as to discrimination in public accommodations like retail businesses or transportation or health care, it's pretty narrow and it, it covers racial discrimination, not sex discrimination. Hmm. And it covers a limited range of situations, basically the kinds of things that one would need if traveling interstate, because that's what so much of the civil rights conversation was focused on in the early 60s when the Civil Rights Act passed. But what we need is a much clearer and more comprehensive federal law that would say you can't discriminate on the basis of race, sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, religion, disability, a number of other categories that have nothing to do with your ability to contribute, and that that would cover employment, housing, and a broad range of public accommodations. Right. We already have that kind of protection explicitly in California which is a privilege. Thankfully, thankfully. I mean, this is, I think, a goal for right after 2020, because obviously Trump, Pence, they're going to veto anything that even sounds anything like that. But it looks like we that we have control of the House for a bit. U.S. Senate, we're going to have a critical election in 2020 if we can flip some of those U.S. Senate seats. Mm-hmm. I, I used to say and depend on the moderate Republicans, but I don't think there's any moderate Republicans left. Susan Collins of Maine, and she's not been very dependable lately for much She's like the last one standing in New England, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, used to be John McCain and Jeff Flake in Arizona. Well, that's changed. <laughs> now we've got right. Kristen Sinema, our first bisexual U.S. senator. What's well, awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think part of the good news here is that data 
consistently shows the majority of the American people support LGBTQ non-discrimination in employment, housing, and these other contexts. A lot of people think it already is explicitly the law that right. you can't fire someone for being gay. Yep. And this is a little nuanced, but, but we think it already is the law. But rather than continue to fight about the meaning of the word sex, right. it would be good to just make this explicit. M- make clear. it explicit, right. Very, very true. Tell us a little bit about the ACLU. If people want to follow up, make a donation, your website. Absolutely. So I'm with the ACLU of Southern California, but we have state and regional affiliates across the country. People who want to get involved can start out by going on uh, peoplepower.org. That's our website for engaging as as an activist and finding out what's going on in your local community. Um, we also, of course, welcome your financial support. And at this time of year, if if there's someone you can't think of the right holiday present for, there's always the possibility of a membership to the ACLU. That's a great idea. A great stocking stuffer right there. <laughs> and finally, if you're just looking for something to do with your family over the holidays, I would strongly encourage folks to go see the film On the Basis of Sex, which is about the life of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, whom we now all know and love as a Supreme Court justice. But the movie focuses on earlier stages of her life, um, when she was raising a family, when she was taking care of her husband, and when she was starting her career as a lawyer and was a co-founder of the ACLU's Women's Rights Project. Amazing. Amanda Goat from the ACLU, thank you so much for being with us. We hope to have you back again someday. You're listening to us here on the new Channel Q. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, gang. You're listening to the new channel Q in San Francisco, Los Angeles, Palm Springs, Sacramento, Las Vegas, Phoenix, and our newest city, Houston. And if you're in Palm Springs, 103.1 FM, and look for our billboards. They're all over downtown Palm Springs. Can't miss them. Well, that was an amazing visit we had with Amanda Goad from the ACLU. She's a brilliant lawyer and came from the national office of the ACLU in New York and I'm just so glad she's keeping tabs on what's going on for LGBT people, not only here in Southern California, but all over the country. She is amazing. And in the next hour, we're going to be hearing from two other amazing people, uh, Dr. Ken Howard and Dr. Lauren Costin, who are both coming on the show. And we're going to talk about the fact the holidays are coming up. I know the holidays can be overwhelming, stressful burdensome, emotional, and and I think for LGBT people, it becomes extremely intense. And because of that, I know that there's usually upswings in depression and anxiety. And so we're going to talk to the two docs about uh, what LGBT people can do to, to do a little preventive uh, TLC uh, on ourselves so that we can face the holidays head on. Now, I don't know about you all, but... Um, when I was raised around the holidays, I, I was born and raised here in Los Angeles, and we lived uh, next door to a Jewish family in a neighborhood that was primarily Latino and Jewish. And so being raised around Hanukkah menorahs and dreidels uh, and the prayers, um, it was just second nature. It was no nothing unusual. I didn't know there was anything unusual about 
uh, being around people of different faiths. But what we know is that religion, as comforting as it can be to so many, can also be a source of great uh, oppression, especially against LGBT people. So how do we as LGBT people reconcile these holidays that are based around religious celebrations that some of us agree with and adhere to. I mean, I admit, I go to Midnight Mass every Christmas Eve because it's something I've done my entire life and I love it. And I take the parts that I love and the parts I don't love, I just set aside uh, and enjoy. But I know that for a lot of LGBT people that those traditions around family or gathering or religion uh, may not have been as wonderful as uh, the experience was for me. Uh, I did 12 years in Catholic school, was an altar boy, did all that. And so I have a lot of these Catholic traditional uh, you know, things that I did every year at Christmas time. And so, um, but not everybody has that as part of their story. So, We'll be talking about that in the second hour with Dr. Lauren Costine and Dr. Ken Howard about uh, depression and LGBT people and and the holidays and how to prepare yourselves for the upcoming holidays so that we all get through it together. Because what I know about this time of year, I I think I've shared with you all in the past, I'm a member of a 12-step community in recovery, and I know that this is a period of time where it's heavy on emotions, heavy on intensity, and a whole lot of people relapse or slip or fall out or reach despair. And uh, we all need to be here for January 1st because 2019 is going to be one heck of a year up against Donald Trump. And uh, we got to, you know, brace ourselves, kids, because uh, LGBT issues, as soon as we get rid of the Donald, and uh, hopefully it happens in 2020, we got a lot of work we got to get right back on, and we'll just consider the Donald Trump to be just this abhorrent episode that had to remind us all what's important about being Americans. So um, it should be a really fascinating conversation in the next hour uh, with our, our two shrinks. I, I, they probably hate being called shrinks. I'll, I'll ask them when they uh, join us on the show. But uh, we'll be focusing about depression and emotions and, and the holidays coming up. And uh, I hope you tune in for all of that. But before we leave this hour, since we had that wonderful talk with Amanda Goad, you know, I'm watching the news feed up here on CNN and seeing what's going on in the world. And let's just say that the walls are starting to close in on the Donald. He is starting to look like a panicked animal because not only is Mueller's Russia report coming in, but now it appears that the National Enquirer and his uh, former attorney, Michael Cohen, have thrown him under the bus. He's got nobody that wants to be his chief of staff. John Kelly is leaving. He's probably the happiest man in Washington, D.C. to be leaving the Trump. Looking at Jared Kushner as the new chief of staff, which is just ridiculous. Uh, The U.S. Senate has rebuked the Donald by, uh, you know, voting uh, to cut off funding for the war in Yemen and as a poke in the eye to the Saudi prince. And so everything that Donald thought he was going to have some control over, he's got no control over. And the walls, American justice system is starting to close in. And you know what happens to a caged animal when the walls start closing in. Yeah, they respond. So 2019, it's going to be a rock and rolling year. But I believe it's what we're going to prevail in the end. So... Well, we're looking forward to uh, coming back up at the top of the hour. We'll see you with Dr. Lauren Costine and Dr. Ken Howard. And uh, you're listening to the new Channel Q sidebar here with John Duran. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, guys. You're listening to The Sidebar with John Duran here on the new channel Q in San Francisco, Los Angeles, Sacramento, Palm Springs, Phoenix, Las Vegas, and our newest city starting this week, Houston. So welcome, everybody. And as promised, we are sitting here with two of our LGBT uh, psychotherapist, Dr. Lauren Kostin and Ken Howard, LCSW. And welcome to you both. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. We were talking about depression during the holidays for LGBT people. True or false? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is a hard time for folks in general. And then if you come from a repressed and demonized culture, it can be added upon. Or if you've been... Um, thrown out by your family or unaccepted by your family um, that can really bring bring that up because families get together at this time right and you may not be able to do that right and if you can't that is really it can really trigger the feelings of I'm not lovable or something's wrong with me that can cause the depression or be connected to the depression, if that mm. makes sense. Now, LGBT people, we have our families of you know birth, but we also have our families that we create with our own traditions. Yeah. Like, what, Ken? What are you and Michael doing for the holidays? We are staying in town, but um, you know, with clients and and even with us, you know, we'll, we'll see family occasionally. But I really emphasize, you know, the family of choice is the family of origin, and there's the family of choice. Your friends and colleagues and you know the friends that you make in the lgbt community that are supportive and that's your family of choice and that's a legitimate family structure for your life right right a lot of times it's way more enjoyable (laughs) definitely more fun (laughs) it's more fun definitely more fun i I love my family i look forward to seeing the christmas eve we have a great time but i so look forward to getting back to west hollywood (laughs) as soon as possible (laughs) so if somebody is feeling alone isolated lgbt unlovable unloved what advice would we give Well, you know, there's a number of things. First of all, if you're feeling suicidal, there are suicidal hotlines. So the Trevor Project is for um, LGBTQ youth that may be feeling suicidal. Please pick up that phone. There are suicide hotlines. Please pick up the phone. On the other end is is folks that are there to help you uh, deal with whatever you're feeling. So that's number one because we actually are in a suicidal suicide crisis. People don't really. It's not really talked about enough, in my opinion. But you know, when a few celebrities kill themselves, it does open up the idea that wow, this is a greater problem than we realize. It's one of the things that's kept down. So to really talk about it more keep having the conversation around the fact that people do this all the time or think about it we also have something called suicidal ideation pick up the phone and call someone even if you are fantasizing about not being here it can be subtle nuanced talk uh, conversations with yourself like i don't want to be here i don't like this place why am i here can i just go and one of the things i want to say and of course i want to leave time for ken too is that to to create 
an awareness within your mind is really important piece of recognizing that that's your depression talking. It's not you. Mm-hmm. And it's not all of you. But it can get triggered by feelings of loneliness or feeling unlovable or feeling rejected or abandoned. These core emotions that most of us have that are very primal. And for us LGBT people, they can be more, uh, they can be greater because of not only maybe our families have rejected us, but the society as a whole, we've been living in a very phobic world and heterosexist world for thousands of years. We're talking, this is passed down on us for an extremely long time. We don't undo those messages that get stuck in our minds just like overnight. They can come out of nowhere if it's a particularly sensitive time. Yeah, can you? Exactly. And it's resisting the cultural pressure to be happy, happy. You know, you're surrounded by these cultural pressures of, you know, it's the most most wonderful time of the year. Yes. It's like, okay, well then why don't I feel wonderful? Right, right. right. And just kind of saying, you know, just because everything's, you know, lit up and decorated doesn't mean that your life is lit up and decorated. Sometimes you just have to feel what you feel. And sometimes you can take steps to fight it and reach out and, you know, try and connect with people in order to feel less alone. And then sometimes you just kind of have to say, you know, I'm going to reject the pressure to, to be something or feel something I'm not. Yeah, and present and like pretend like you have to present okay, right? Mm-hmm. You know the pressure too. The happy face, uh, yeah. Kind of thing. yeah. And I I love what you're saying, and I think it's really important to connect that to social media uh-huh. because a lot of folks are just only posting what is great. You know, and it's hard to post if things are not going well. I mean, it's not necessarily going to be met with. I've I have actually posted when I was having a hard time, and then people would come in and give this really horrible advice that like made me feel worse. <laughs> so I was like, okay, this is not the same venue. I just have to call my best friend and you know call my therapist and make an appointment or you know what have you. Go to a twelve step program right, and right. go. And I and I talk about creating that sacred circle in your life. Mm -hmm. that are those Mm -hmm. folks that you can truly be yourself. Kind of like the executive board of your life. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and so much with FOMO. I mean, I think when we see all the Instagram Mm -hmm. people, you know, ice skating or decorating their tree with their partner, if, you know, and then what do you do if you're single? And it's, and, uh, you know, just feeling left out. Right. You know, it's an illusion. We have to bring a lot of critical thinking that Instagram is not real life. It's some version of it. Yeah, a really good point. And I think I think loss. You know, th- this will be my first Christmas without mom. Right? Mm, I've lost my mom in March. Huge. So my whole life, we've always had all these traditions, and now this is the first one without mom. And I think that's a big one for people too about who's missing. Yeah, yeah. I have several clients going through that who lost either a mother or father this year, and it's it's that first one. You know, there's uh, that saying you have to mourn in four seasons. Well, the holiday seasons. You know, a big one. A big one, yeah. And it's, um, a client said recently, you know, the first one was the hardest. This one's a little easier about the new normal at the holidays. But mm. it's that first one you just have to, I think, go through the hurt of it. Yeah, I have this tradition. And I'm probably, tor- you're probably both going to tell me not, to not do this anymore. But I had a roommate named John Stiller. And John passed away from HIV AIDS right after Bill Clinton got elected. Like he worked hard to get Clinton elected. Clinton got elected in 92. It was Christmas time. And then he was very sick. And he had his little Santa bear 
in Cedars with him, right? Mm-hmm. He passed away shortly thereafter in January, and his mom brought me the little Santa bear and said, John wanted you to have this. So every year I put it out under my Christmas tree, but as more guys died in the 90s, I now have like 20 little bears I put under my tree. And every year I put them out, every year I sob. And I'm like, am I torturing myself or am I just attaching to the love I still have for these people who are not here? It's ritual. I mean, Mike and I do that on our tree. Um, We have pictures in tiny little frames that we put at the top of the tree. And my husband says that we put them near the angel. And ornaments that are like arts and pets are, are... our Dalmatian and our cat we lost, you know. So it's part of, it's it's a bittersweet thing, but it's a way of memorializing them as a kind of a bittersweet Christmas ritual, but we remember them. Like a cranberry. I also want to say, like, the way to really recognize whether you're torturing yourself or whether you're connecting to the love you feel for somebody and and honoring them is how long it lasts. Like, you know, if you're going to sit there and this this ritual turns into a depressive episode, then I might say, okay, John, let's talk about what this is about and if it's helping you or hurting you. But if it's a moment where you're experiencing the love and the loss, then that is actually can be a beautiful thing because you you want to remember them. You feel connected to them. You know, for me, I lost my mom eight and a half years ago, Mm. which was huge loss because she was young and healthy and it was very sudden. And, you know, I felt very, had very sad moments before my wedding Mm. that she wasn't around, you know, but it didn't like it didn't ruin anything. Right. It right. it was just the the honoring and the connecting of that I miss her still. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Very very good point. I, and you know I should bring up too. West Hollywood has an annual sober New Year's Eve. If people don't know this, there's an annual yes. sober New Year's Eve in West Hollywood, West Hollywood Park. So uh, you don't you don't have to get tanked like like Uncle John here used to. All right. Well, <laughs> we are we're talking with Dr. Lauren Costin and Ken Howard, two of our uh, community psych therapist about the holidays and the blues and depression and rituals and traditions and we're going to do more of that after the commercial break you're listening to all of us here on the new channel q odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to london to see taylor swift at the eras tour it's tay in the uk hey it's taylor just download the free odyssey app log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry and you could win a chance to fly off to london with three friends and see taylor i can't wait to see you at the eras tour in london for more go to odyssey.com slash taylor tay in the uk it's on the odyssey app thanks to republic records this is a national contest Welcome back, gang. You're listening to us here on the new channel Q, Sidebar with John Duran, and we are talking to two of our LGBT psychotherapists, Lauren Costin and Ken Howard, about the holidays and how to deal. So let me ask you guys this. So I notice I, I, I'm, I'm becoming that cranky old guy in the community, like, you kids get off my lawn. You know, like, I'm just, I'm so short-tempered, I don't have the patience. And the holidays, I just get overwhelmed with anxiety and stress, and I got to shop, and people are in the way, and there's traffic and rushing around. What is there a way to do a quick check-in to calm the F down in the middle of the holidays? Is there a simple meditation? Can't always get to a 12-step meeting. No, well. of course not. I think really, like you just you just mentioned something called meditation, or what we also are calling mindfulness. This uh, it's evidence evidence-based now. We have so much material on how it helps. And the idea is to distance yourself from your thoughts, right? To kind of 
go back. So we create an awareness inside of our mind that starts to see the thoughts from some distance and so that you can actually start to manage them. Okay, because when you're when you're merged with them, when that person's really cutting you off and you're pissed off or, you know, whatever's going on that's irritating, then you're just reacting and then you're at the mercy of your reactions. Mm -hmm. Right. You have no control and really uh, an, uh, an important part of inner peace is feeling like you can manage what's going on inside of yourself. Right. When it feels out of control, you're not going to have peace. Especially if you have some consciousness like that doesn't feel good, or I feel guilty later, right. remorse. Going to have you to know? make amends. Boy, yes. I screwed up again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, you know, look. A lot of us are so busy. I mean, five minutes in the morning of meditation and five minutes before bed can help create that that distance. What we call like the observing ego or the enlightened witness that starts to watch. The craziness, mm. the, the 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 mind that just and talks just constantly, yeah. right? And mm. observe it, and then when you have those moments, you can go, okay, wait, I'm triggered right now. It's got really nothing to do with what's going on. That person's just as much of a hurry as I am. Why am I more important than they are? You know what I mean? Kind of get some balancing. And and another thing I just think that's really important about. Um, you know, depression and irritability or all of these things that we have as LGBTQ folks or can have is that none of it ultimately is personal, mm. you know, and yes, the uh, political is personal in a way and that's why we fight and that's why we take charge of things. But ultimately, what other folks are doing is not about you as a person. It's not about you as your worth. Hmm. It's not because you're not enough or you're not lovable. It's like, and that distancing from that and saying like, you know, and I, if friends are not available or your family really doesn't understand you, to then recognize that they have limitations, just like we all do. And those limitations have nothing to do with you. Mm. Louise Hay used to say, everybody's just doing the best they can. Yes. You know, parenting, working, being a friend. Wow, Louise Hay, what a nice memory. Wow, Ken, you just took me back. Those hay rides with Louise well, Hay. I'm just getting old. It just collects these people. But, but, you know, I think ther more therapists are using uh, mindfulness as a technique to teach clients because, like Lauren said, it is evidence-based. You know, there's there, it, I, when I was in graduate school, you know, there was some question about, mm, does this really yeah. work? Is this mumbo-jumbo? Mm -hmm. And then they studied it and said, no, this, this seriously works, you know, and, and we're really looking more lately at the neurobiology of therapy. And it, there's different techniques that'll work. It's all over YouTube and stuff with, with ones you can use. My favorite is just taking the time and just saying to yourself, I am aware that. And hmm. that could be a good feeling or a bad feeling. I am aware that I'm anxious about staff meeting today. I am aware that I'm looking forward to dinner tonight with my best friend. Bingo. I am aware that I really wish my dog would stop barking right now. You know, And just being in touch with your feelings, especially I think for people in recovery, you know, I am aware that I am triggered right now. I'm aware that I'm having cravings. And there's something about, you know, what goes on in the neurobiology that somehow makes it all better. Huh, interesting. And just that awareness 
creates a distance, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's not so you. I am not my feelings. I, I am not, not my, my feelings. And, not even my thoughts, yeah. Right. I'm and just I watching think, my thoughts. Yeah, yeah, and I think what's really helpful with depression is, you know, because I, I suffer from depression at times. And it's like, if I start having those thoughts, I'll go, that's my depression talking. That's mm-hmm. not me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because some of these bizarre thoughts will come out of nowhere, like, ugh. God, I don't like this planet, you know, (laughs) and it's like, you know what, that's my depression talking. So, and another thing, and I love that you mentioned that word, and I think this is a really important word, and it's very important for all of us is the word trigger. And when you can get aware of the fact that you're triggered, which is when you have a big reaction to something, and sometimes we call when it's hysterical, it's historical. (laughs) So that's really important with relationships in particular, like if you're feeling feeling really triggered over something that's going on in a relationship that you're having, let's go back into the history and see what wound it may actually be activating that's not about the current situation. Because yes, it may be frustrating or difficult, but your reaction is bigger. And not to shame you for having that reaction, but to be able to start understanding better about what happened to you when you were younger, how growing up in this kind of a world is very challenging, and how is all of that affecting us? Wow, that's all really good stuff. And it's what's happening in the present day has its roots in the past you know if your partner you know yells at you that's like dad yelling at you when you were seven and and, you know there's a dotted line connection between what happened two seconds ago and what happened 20 years ago Mm. exactly especially because it can get stuck inside of us and so one of the other things that i love besides mindfulness is certain somatic techniques that we have today that's another thing that wasn't around when i was in grad school but i've been training in for years now and it means that trauma gets stuck in our our central nervous system and in our emotional centers in the brain and so sometimes and that's where PTSD and stuff comes from sometimes what's happening right now can really feel like it's you know a trauma that happened 20 years ago so think like look into some somatic techniques meaning somatic meaning the body like it's stuck inside the body so there's EMDR which is a trauma resource that's really beautiful about moving the trauma energy through your body system I do things like if you're feeling sort of upset um, I actually have have my clients and I put rice bags on our body and what it does is it tells your down regulation system to start working because a lot of times even if we're feeling like just edgy or what have you is your up regulator the one that kind of gets you going during the day is um too up and it's not actually going down on its own and so there's all these things that you can do to help with that we've got like a minute left ken let's go website your practices in west hollywood your psychotherapy can find me well i you know my website is gaytherapyla.com but uh you know i see guys in my office in uh in la but also all over the world now uh, through skype and uh and webcam and uh so gay therapy la on instagram gaytherapyla.com awesome. have dozens of blog articles including stuff about the holidays very cool and lauren your author your book tell us about yes. your book with okay them. so uh my first book is called lesbian love addiction understanding the urge to merge and how to heal when things go wrong i'm currently working on my second book which is healing the trauma of growing up in a misogynistic society so it's a two-part book it's going to be just dis- uh, explaining 
how we got here, and then it's going to be how we can uh, heal from it. You guys have both been so incredible. I feel like I should be billed oh, for the nice. time I spent with each of you <laughs> for therapy. Thank you for being, I hope you both come back again in 2019. Love We'd love, love to have to. you both yeah. come back. And uh, after the break, kids, we're going to be hearing from the artistic director of the Gay Men's Chorus of Los Angeles. That'll cheer your holiday blues. You're listening to all of us here at the new Channel Q. Our next guest, talk about cheering people up over the holidays, is the artistic director of the Gay Men's Course of Los Angeles, Dr. Joe Nadeau. Welcome, Joe. Hey, thanks, John. Uh, good to have you here. Glad you to be here. Had an amazing morning. You were on Access Live this morning yes, with the course, yes. right? It's our, it's our seventh time on the show, uh, and we've, uh, we always wear our holiday sweaters and uh, uh, sing all kinds of crazy songs, and they, they love us. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, you got a big holiday concert this weekend. What, what can the audience expect? Yes, well, this is the annual holiday spectacular for GMC. This year it's called Calling All Angels, and it is going to be, uh, as always, um, uh, a wonderful celebration of the holidays. Um, you you started with the Rockettes, and it's like I think people think of uh, the Gay Men's Chorus in Los Angeles like, you know, in New York you have to go see the Rockettes at right. Christmas. In L.A. you have to see the Gay Men's Chorus of Los Angeles. because and it, Saturday and Sunday, right? Saturday yeah. at 2 and 8. Saturday at 2 and 8, the and 15th. And, and Sunday at 2, but it's pretty much sold out. The, the Sunday show is pretty much sold out. I think yeah. there's like a little over hundred tickets left and uh, those will go really fast but there are some really good seats on Saturday at 2 and Saturday at 8 fantastic uh, and they can certainly come and check that and out and it's at the Alex Theater in Glendale correct right right 1500 seat audience and we got how many guys up on that stage um, we have over 200 uh, I think I think at the concert we're singing with about 220 guys wow it's, it's incredible that is amazing I, I love the expression you know you put 220 gay guys on a stage and ask them to recreate a nativity scene what could possibly go wrong oh it's a, well yeah <laughs> That, that, that's great. Well, in the concert, I mean, it's it's a really amazing collection, of course, of holiday favorites. Right. Um, you'll see some beautiful uh, choral singing. I experience that, of course. But then, like only the Gay Men's Chorus can deliver, we have the, the most uh, ridiculous, crazy stuff, including our own version of the nativity uh, scene with a song called The Annoying Drummer Boy. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're recreating a, a Weather Girls Christmas classic, Dear it. Santa, Bring Me a Man bring me This a Christmas. Man. And uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, this is so great. Now, you've been with the course for five years, but uh, you've recently yeah. announced that you're returning to Kansas to teach. Yeah. Yes, yes. This, but, uh, yeah, go ahead. But uh, you've been with Gala Choruses for 20, 25 years? 25 years. So this is my 25th year with Gala Choruses. I started back in 1993 uh, with the Denver Gay Men's Chorus and wow. was there for five years and then was the conductor and artistic director for Heartland Men's Chorus for 15 years wow. before coming to Los Angeles back in 2013. Wow. It's a lot. And every community that has, how many gala choruses are there? Well, there's a, it's, it's a movie, moving number. We never quite know. But there's a, there's a little over 200 gala choruses that belong to the the, this actual organization, but there are more organizations worldwide, internationally, uh, that are LGBTQ choruses. So it's not so Gala Choruses is, is is probably the largest organization of LGBTQ choruses. But there are other organizations, and we've seen in the in the recent year we've seen uh, increased growth in China, uh, tons of choruses in China and in Asia, and uh, throughout Australia, and uh, even in India. Uh, there's a new chorus in Mumbai, which is. Wow. Just Incredible. So yeah, so these wonderful choruses all over the all over the world. You know, there's a song Chris Williamson has called "The Changer and the Change." That uh, besides mm -hmm. being the changer, you end up 
being changed yourself as that part of correct. it. And these choruses provide such a community for so many people. So if somebody's listening, because we're not only broadcasting here in LA, but in San Francisco, Sacramento, Palm Springs, Phoenix, Las Vegas, uh-huh. Houston, all over the country, uh, if somebody can sing, uh, what would you tell them about uh, auditioning? I would, I would say it's definitely that there there are LGBTQ choruses uh, everywhere. Every major city, uh, at least in the United States, uh, in North America, uh, and throughout Canada, there's uh, there's an LGBTQ chorus. And um, what I would say is, if they can sing, I said right now is the peak holiday season. Find out when when that LGBTQ chorus is performing and go buy tickets and see them, and then find out more about them because, like you said, like uh, it. it um, it has changed my life being a part of these choruses, and uh, I have found a sense of family. I found a sense of community, sense of support, and a sense of acceptance that I haven't found anywhere else. Uh, and, and it has truly changed my life. So, and I think that they that being a part of a, an LGBTQ chorus would also uh, change the lives of many of your listeners. Yeah. Talk about changing lives. One of the things that you've done with GMCLA is the schools programs. Correct. Yeah, like unlike so many other communities, you take the guys into the schools. Tell tell the listeners a bit about some of these programs. Sure. Well, I I think uh, with GMCLA, our youth programs are sort of unprecedented uh, in the sense that not just for uh, a gay chorus, but also for any arts organization. Um, we have our longstanding Alive Music Project where we partner with schools and we bring the chorus into the schools to do uh, assemblies. Uh, and, and the focus is on music and the focus is on telling our stories and the focus is on uh, anti-bullying, but also helping young people to really uh, be themselves and their true authentic selves. The In the past couple of years, we've also expanded these programs and we uh, started two years ago with our Arts for Incarcerated Youth Network, where we go into juvenile detention centers in Los Angeles, and we create a 12-week choral program, and we teach these young people how to sing and and to and to find their voice. Uh, and many of these young people have been, uh, you know, just basically abandoned, thrown away, uh, left, uh, you know, uh, without any hope. Uh, and so this is a chance for them to find, you know, like their voice and find hope and find rev- relevance in their own lives. And hopefully when they get out uh, of, uh, you know, being detained, then they can uh, find um, a pr- sense of purpose and, and continue to build their lives. Uh, and then the third thing that we just recently did, uh, and we're very excited about that, is we have a partnership for L.A. schools where um, there are lots of schools in L.A. County uh, that does that do not have music programs, that do not have any kind of arts programming for that matter. And so they, we've gone in and we've created a choir program. Uh, we just did at uh, Markham Middle School. And uh, after a semester of working with these young People, we on December sixth, we had our first ever Markham Middle School choir performance, and that was made possible by GMCLA uh, and our teaching artists and uh, our partnership through LA Schools. So we are affecting thousands uh, of lives uh, with our youth programs, and it is really remarkable to see that change. That that is amazing. I, I don't think people realize. I, I I know when I I first auditioned for. Oh, I should disclose to the audience. I'm chairman of the board of the chorus. I'm also a tenor too. I'm heavily biased in favor of this organization. I should tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> but when I uh, when I auditioned for the chorus twenty years ago, I actually never seen a gay men's chorus. I didn't know what it was. I knew it was there, but I never felt any reason to go 
And ever since that first concert, I can't miss a concert because yeah. they're so incredible, mm-hmm. so incredible. You heard, uh, you heard. Uh, I had some therapists on just before you here talking yeah. about the blues over the holidays. I mean, I, I imagine the holidays are very emotional for a lot of people. I, I mean, you think people's emotional chords will get played a bit in this concert you've got? Coming oh, abso- this weekend? absolutely. And we, we, we. Uh, this is our 40th anniversary season as well, and so we take some moments in the concert to remember uh, and recognize. Um, those angels among us and those angels who are no longer with us, who have passed away. And uh, uh, so there's going to be some really beautiful emotional moments there as well. Um, and I think um, one, of the, uh, one of the things I want to mention, too, is that, you know, uh, for a lot of us in the early days uh, of coming out, so, you know, I've been involved 25 years. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how long you were involved with the chorus, but, but uh, for a lot of uh, people in the 80s and 90s when the gay choruses were really kind of uh, – getting uh, momentum um, we didn't have family family wasn't accepting of us and uh, we were a lot of us were rejected and so we sought that family within the choruses and so the holidays uh, especially became uh, our family moments became those times where we sang with the chorus where we performed with the chorus and uh, GMCLA during the AIDS crisis especially we would uh, on Christmas Day this is a tradition we've continued for over two and a half decades is we go out and we sing Christmas carols we we go caroling at uh, hospitals and uh, used to be the old aid ho- AIDS hospices right, and things, right. but we continue that tradition even today. Well, I, if you're listening and you're in the greater Los Angeles area, you need to get to the Alex Theater this weekend and hear the Gay Men's Chorus of Los Angeles. It will brighten your spirits. You shed a tear. You'll laugh. You'll be there with community, hundreds of people in the right. LGBT community, and it's a big family affair. So. Your website, gmcla.org. Yeah. That's correct. Very, very good. That's Dr. Joe Nadeau from the Gay Men's Chorus of Los Angeles, and you're listening to us here on the new Channel Q. Welcome back, kids. We're in the final minutes of uh, my two-hour program here, Sidebar with John Duran. God, I love doing this. I yeah, Today was such a, a phenomenal morning. Uh, Amanda Goad from the ACLU. I feel safer at night knowing that she is there as a brilliant attorney uh, managing uh, all those attorney LGBT attorneys who are out to protect us under the current conditions we all find ourselves in this country. But to also hear from such incredible psychotherapist uh, telling us all that uh, we will all get through this holiday period together as a, a family, as a community of people. Uh, whether you celebrate with your biological family or your chosen family or like I do with both. Um, I, I love my family. Every uh, Christmas Eve, we gather at my parents' home, as I shared earlier in the hour. This is going to be my first Christmas without my mom. She passed away in March, and I'm mostly worried about dad, to tell you the truth. I mean, married 60 years and first year without his wife at Christmas, but you know, Whatever it is going to be, it's going to be, and we are going to get through it. And uh, I'm sure that's how a lot of us handle the holidays. We grin and bear it uh, wherever we have to fly to, travel to, be with family, uh, knowing that at the end of uh, the holiday period, we can rush back to our little apartments and homes where we are, where we have our chosen families to uh, reconnect and reboot with. So... Yes, I love my family. I look forward to Christmas Eve in Santa Fe Springs, California, where my family will gather. And I will be back in WeHo before midnight to make sure that I'm back in my safe little rainbow lavender colored community in West Hollywood. 
So what an incredible day. I, I You know, it's Christmas time coming up. Hanukkah's behind us. Happy Hanukkah. I hope your Hanukkah miracle came true. But uh, in the next couple of weeks, we will have uh, shows focusing on holiday themes and uh, not just the Christian, uh, but, you know, Kwanzaa is something that uh, mostly the African-American community here uh, created. Uh, not so much around the divine, but that the principles of Kwanzaa focus on unity, on family, on compassion, on abundance. Those are the themes around the Kwanzaa holiday. And of course, as uh, my Wicca friends reminded me, solstice, the shortest day of the year, is coming up. And what was solstice all about? Well, it was in the belief that even in the bitterest bitterest cold in the in the dead of winter there was always a spark of hope of life that would exist deep within the shrouding of the winter storms that at the end of winter uh, spring would come up once again and that is uh, the celebration around solstice and and of course we can't do it without santa claus and rudolph and frosty and all the other sort of traditions we've created around here but i I got to tell you, I, uh, I guess I, I get a bit nostalgic this time of year, and one of my favorite uh, holiday stories is not Miracle on 34th Street, not It's a Wonderful Life, although I love watching both of those, and I will watch both of those in the upcoming weeks, because that's uh, one of the traditions I do, along with Auntie Mame with Rosalind Russell, not Lucille Ball. If you truly are LGBT, you will watch the version with Rosalind Russell. That is the real anti-mame. Great holiday show as well. But uh, I got to tell you, it's A Christmas Carol by uh, Charles Dickens. It's A Christmas Carol to me uh, to be reminded of Christmas past and Christmas present and Christmas future uh, once a year. It's, it's, a, it's a good time to reboot, right? I mean, let's face it. The last two weeks of December, the whole world pretty much shuts down, at least around Southern California. There's not a whole lot going on other than people traveling to get other places. And so we all take a deep breath and reflect upon 2018 and what occurred. And uh, I'll be doing a lot of that because let's face it, the way the 2018 ended up is a heck of a lot better than 2016 ended up. Oh, my God. I thought, brace yourselves, 2017 is going to be rough. And it was. 2018, it was actually, in terms of uh, setting a correction in our national politics, national scene, it was a good year. We need to celebrate and remember that. Embrace and prepare ourselves for a really raucous 2019. But we won't be focusing so much on the Donald the last couple of weeks of December. We're going to focus on uh, traditional that the the uh, the community rituals and traditions that we create around the holiday time and what the holidays mean for LGBT people as we gather. Uh, many of us will fly to other places in the coming weeks to be with uh, families of birth. But we also will have our traditions and rituals that we'll celebrate in our own homes with our own family traditions and rituals. So we'll focus a lot on that. And really, what are we doing? We're just, we're closing out 2018, kids. We are closing out 2018 and preparing ourselves for 2019. It's going to be a really raucous year. But uh, I think in the end, uh, a lot of really uh, perhaps painful yet significant and profound lessons ahead for all of us as we enter 2019. So 
let's get ready for it all. I, I want to uh, just express a little gratitude to the people here at Channel Q, to Brian Holt, to Jason Yazin, my producer, who's behind the board right now, for uh, giving me this opportunity to do this every week from uh, 10 to 12 Pacific time. I'm having the time of my life. I love having my guests. I love having the people come by and stop by and talking about LGBT politics and LGBT law, which we did today, and LGBT culture and LGBT health, which we did today. And, and just, uh, you know, what we are all going through as a community. And we're adding more and more cities across the country. At Palm Springs, if you hadn't noticed, there's billboards all over Palm Springs, 103.1 FM. So, um, so great to be all interconnected with all of you. So, we're going to wind this show up in just a bit here. But I want to tell you, I am a second tenor in the Gay Men's Chorus. I revealed that. I am looking forward to uh, singing with the chorus uh, this weekend at the Alex Theater in Glendale. If you're blue and you're in Southern California, you want something to cheer you up, go. <clears throat> go see it. Go to their website. Get a ticket. I promise you'll have a good time. And if nothing else, you'll get to sit with 1,500 members of the LGBT community and our straight allies and friends and families and gather as a community for music and laughter and tears and you know what? Make that a holiday tradition. I know that a lot of people who come to the GMCLA concerts every year, they say it's like the Rocket Show. I've just got to see it to get my holiday season started. So the very happiest of holidays, however you choose to celebrate, and I look forward to seeing you all next Friday as we bring in the end of 2018 and ring through the holidays and prepare ourselves for a happy new year. You're listening to Sidebar with John Duran here on the new Channel Q.